Are you a healthcare practitioner? Or are you working in another healthcare-related occupation? Are you interested in migrating down under? And to continue working in these professions? Well, Australia needs your talents and there are plenty of opportunities. Your experience is needed across our nation and there are a huge range of roles with competitive wages, world standard industry development, and also with that in mind, let's not forget that you are gonna need the right visa before you pack your bags. Let's dive in today and look at exactly what the healthcare sector offers in Australia, what kind of visas you can get in order to work in the healthcare sector, and things like the registration requirements and how to get your skills recognized to build a fabulous new life in Australia. Hi, I'm Rhea Favole, CEO and founder of Solvi Migration, providing simple solutions for Australian migration. If you want to work, study, or even just vacay in Australia, and you've come to the right place for expert tips on how to stop the confusion and choose the right pathway for a holiday, student visa, or permanent residency in Australia. Join me on Making Australian Migration Easy. As we say in Australia, no worries, mate. Hey there, and welcome to the sixth episode of Making Australian Migration Easy. I am Rhea Favole, the CEO and founder of Solvi Migration and a former Australian immigration official. In this episode, I want to focus on migration pathways for people to come and work in the healthcare sector in Australia. So you have contributed your talents throughout the world during COVID-19. And now the borders in Australia are open. And as in most countries, including parts of Australia, the virus is now in an endemic. That means it's time for you to regroup and start reflecting on your lifestyle and living conditions and thinking about your future career and the lifestyle that you and your family deserve. This episode, I'm going to talk to you about how to migrate to Australia and work in the healthcare industry. The best news is that the jobs right now considered a priority and therefore you have the fastest visa processes. But hold on, because first of all, you'll need to get your skills recognized. There may be certain registrations depending on the profession so we're gonna have a chat about that today. And of course, as my valued listeners, I'll be rewarding you with a little bit of a thank you bonus towards the end. So sit back, relax, and see what Australia has in store for those who want to come and work in the healthcare profession. In last week's episode, I talked to you about how to get visas to come and work in the construction industry in Australia. And that included what the occupations were, the types of skills assessments and registrations, and the visa options for construction workers. This week, I wanna to talk to you about pathways to migrate to Australia and work in the healthcare sector, an industry that currently has priority processing. We're gonna focus on a bit of an overview of what the healthcare sector is in Australia, the skills assessments, registrations you might require, and visa options. Australia's borders are open, and the Australian healthcare industry needs your skills. Have you thought about making Australia a permanent home? Well, today I'm gonna to talk to you about how to do just that. We are gonna focus on exactly what the healthcare sector has on offer in Australia more broadly, the types of skills assessments and registrations that you're going to require in order to migrate, and of course, the all important visa options that are available. So topic one, the first thing I want to discuss is what you should know about the healthcare industry. What kind of roles it covers? Well, some examples might include um, the allied health professionals as well as health practitioner, medical practitioner roles, complementary and other support roles. But the great news is 
that as I discussed in episode four, visas for people entering these industries are being prioritized as the fastest, which is brilliant. However, first of all, you'll need to know if there's any exams, skills recognitions, and registrations required in order to meet the visa requirements. Now, some examples of healthcare occupations that you can have a migration pathway for in Australia uh, include general practitioners, specialist medical practitioners, Chinese medicine practitioners, pharmacists, psychologists, uh, medical uh, research roles, uh, medical administration as well. There are other allied professionals such as physiotherapists, dietitians, occupational therapists, speech pathologists, and other healthcare setting roles of support such as disability and age care support workers, uh, nursing support workers, and personal care assistants, but there's many more. Australia also has a federal program which is called My Age Care. It is administered by both federal government funding to age care, uh, it might be residential facilities. There's also funding that goes through to the state and territory governments. Um, the other services that it may include, include for people over the age of 65 in Australia, uh, like I mentioned, there's residential housing or more intensive care, but it can also include supports in people's homes so that they can still enjoy the lifestyle in their home, enjoy time with their families, but other things that they might need assistance with, like uh, general bathing, day-to-day -day personal care and assistance, meals and other nursing that could be delivered in home rather than an intensive environment they can also seek funding for that. Now, giving an overview of those types of things to look at, um, I guess, Medicare and what that covers in general practice, in hospital settings and other clinical settings, um, then looking at the National Disability Insurance Scheme uh, and then looking at aged care, is you understand that healthcare, this is why it's one of the world's best systems, is in Australia. So coming and working here, there's plenty of opportunities and it's growing because the government has such a strong focus on providing excellent healthcare and opportunities for everyone across the board. What that means for you as a professional is that there is a multitude of different things that you would be able to work in and build a career and also know that the skills that you're going to get working in those industries are going to be at a world standard. Another benefit to think of is when you're bringing your family here, you migrate here, you may want to sponsor parents and other things, have a family members down the track. The benefit here is that they're then migrating to somewhere that has that universal health care for them as well. So benefits for everyone to think about. So building a career in this industry allows you to be part of a healthcare system that is delivered at some of the best in the world. You can have a lifestyle where you enjoy barbecues, sunshine, and of course, vitamin D. There are great working conditions, very high salaries, and of course, there's the benefits of being somewhere for yourself and for your family that have a universal healthcare system. So we're going to talk about topic two, which is about some of the registrations and skills assessment requirements. I know in previous episodes, I've talked a lot about skills assessments. There's uh, one uh, exception for, I guess, what um, would typically be done for a skills assessment, and that's when it comes to medical practitioners. So for medical practitioners, uh, it's actually their registration process, which um, is the equivalent of the skills assessment, as opposed to others where they may need to have registrations and skills assessments, or there's some other professions where it's just the skills assessment. This is confusing, I realise, but let's try and um, 
break it down a little bit, uh, give you a high level overview. So for different types of uh, medical doctors, uh, including specialists, there's going to be different requirements. Uh, if you, uh, the, the reason why it's quite different, if we just focus on doctors from it, it will be not the country that you're from, it's actually one, the country where you did your medical training and two, the specific institution in that country where you did that training. And then uh, the Australian Medical Board will need to assess whether or not it directly aligns with um, the Australian standards um, in order for you to become registered or there may be other steps that you need to take because if you are not training in Australia, if you're training in Australia, then you will have the same registration requirements as any other medical doctor who trains in Australia who's, say, a citizen. Um, you're still going to need to be uh, recognised and registered uh, with APRA um, and then you will also need to be registered with the appropriate medical board for your profession. If, on the other hand, you uh, have done overseas uh, training qualifications, not in Australia, then as I was saying before, it will depend on which country you did those qualifications and which specific institution. Um, APRA will actually do searches to check your specific qualification that one, you, you have done it, um, and two, uh, that the qualification, um, how it sort of aligns to the Australian standards in order to decide what are the steps uh, you need to take in order to meet the registration requirements. There are basically three pathways for someone who is an international medical graduate. Uh, the first is a standard pathway, uh, and that involves sitting one or more exams in order to qualify for your registration as a general medical practitioner. Uh, registration through this pathway is either a limited registration or um, what they would call basic level entry or provisional registration, uh, which is more advanced and can be obtained either before or after working in Australia, um, followed by general registration, which cannot be obtained without working in Australia, first of all. That's the first pathway. That's the standard pathway. Then we would look at the specialist pathway. The specialist medical pathway, I will, though, flag with you that it doesn't guarantee eligibility to that pathway. Um, so many of them, this is the current processes, uh, can end up going through other pathways just because of the strict requirements that some of the royal colleges have, which may not be as transparent as one might hope. Um, but for example, most of those uh, assessments that you will do cost $10,000 Australian. Um, you'll have no indication whether or not um, you would or may meet the requirements. Um, and if you don't meet the requirements in order to reset, you will need to pay that money again. Uh, I know for the interview process, they may refund $1,800, but the lion's share of that funding will go and you won't have a clear knowledge. So that's just something to be aware of. Um, also, seeing that there can, it, it can be harder um, to get through that pathway. The third pathway, which is called the um, competent authority pathway, um, this is a pathway to register with a provisional registration to practitioners with um, specific registration or qualifications requirements 
uh, from a handful of countries. Again, you'll need to do some research to see whether or not um, you have trained in one of these countries at one of the institutions that are recognised. Uh, it is worth mentioning that for 95% or more of the international medical graduates, um, there is no direct pathway from offshore. So to go straight to permanent residency, you would usually need to have someone um, uh, have a sponsor, say for example, a hospital. People will frequently use certain hospitals where you'll be able to um, do some uh, further supervised training uh, and then you can look to get your, your permanent residency from there. So when I was talking about limited registration, um, limited registration is valid for one year um, and then you can renew that limited registration three times. Um, a common mistake though a lot of doctors will make is that they continue to just uh, use that limited registration and maybe working as a, as a general practitioner or a GP somewhere um, and then as they come up to their, their fourth year, third or fourth year, uh, they suddenly go, oh no, 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 what am I going to, to do? Because you, you can't uh, continue to practice without any form of registration. Um, so we would always advise people that if you come here with a limited registration, do everything that you need to get through the exams and the supervision as quickly as possible so that you are ready to then um, uh, apply for a permanent migration pathway. Um, otherwise, you might find yourself stuck in Australia and unable to work because you only had limited registration. Um, if you get comfortable with the salary of the life, it's easy to forget. Um, but I'd just like to give a little bit of a tip not to do that because that can cause a bit of a problem for your migration. Now, eligibility to complete the competent pathway for doctors. Uh, there are a number of countries, as I mentioned, and if you already have registration, for example, in the United Kingdom, the US, Canada, New Zealand or Ireland, uh, then you're likely to be able to complete this competent pathway. So a good place to start your research as a medical practitioner to know what the requirements are depending on where you have completed your training um, would be the APRA website and I'll pop that link in the show notes for you to have a look at. Now moving on to another occupation uh, with the registration requirements, it's a little bit different, but is pharmacists. Um, pharmacists can actually have a limited registration and the limited registration uh, means that they're going to go through what is called a competency stream. Um, and most of them would enter Australia on a temporary visa um, and then they have an eligibility assessment and then there is an open book examination uh, that they would undergo. Uh, and then a skills assessment to be complete. But they can actually meet the requirements of general skilled migration before they have full registration, so even under a limited registration. So again, with pharmacists, it is quite interesting because you're able to enter Australia under the general skilled migration program and perhaps potentially get permanent residency before you are fully registered and able to work uh, without the, the full supervision. Um, interesting, but it, it's currently what is possible under the migration rules. I know in episode four, when I was talking a little bit uh, about opportunity for fastest migration, I did uh, talk about nurses. Um, there are a number of different nursing occupations to come and work in Australia. Uh, again, as with other professions, 
it would depend on the country where you did your medical uh, training as to which particular type of skills assessment. So for nurses, um, you could be trained here in Australia. You're still going to need to do the same registration processes as any other nurse would do um, and be registered with APRA. Um, you will also still need to have a skills assessment, just sort of validating that you've um, uh, completed the uh, necessary qualifications in Australia, had the necessary uh, uh, work experience as well, um, and then you're eligible to migrate, uh, and that's straight to permanent residency. Others, you would need to look at where you can, which country you completed the qualification and which particular institution. Um, again, there's information on the um, APRA website uh, about doing a self-assessment as a nurse. Uh, as to which stream or category you would fall into. Uh, and then you would know which type of also skills assessment you're required. There's three different types of skills assessments for nurses. Uh, one is called a modified skills assessment, and that's for those who, nurses who are already registered in Australia. Um, and then there's a modified plus skills assessment, uh, and that's for nurses who have in principle approval um, from APRA and they are registered overseas. Uh, and then the third one is a full skills assessment and that's for registered nurses who hold um, a, an Australian, uh, what they call quality framework, Bachelor of Nursing or midwifery. Uh, so when I'm saying nurses, I'm actually including midwives in that. So just to, to be clear, um, with the process for registration uh, and the countries for this, for the schools, uh, the full uh, skills assessment that aligns with um, the Australian quality framework. Uh, if you'd also done qualifications in Canada, Hong Kong, Ireland, UK or US and are registered as a nurse uh, or midwife in those specific countries that I've just mentioned that's when you would look to do the full skills assessment. So again, just to recap, it's really important for you to, uh, when you're doing your research, uh, not only uh, to look at whether or not you're registered and you've done a, a Bachelor of Nursing or you've gone on and done postgraduate qualifications, it's actually to look at which country did you complete those qualifications? Are you registered uh, to practice as a nurse in those particular countries in order to give you further guidance? Um, I will pop in the show notes a direct link to where you can do the self-assessment uh, with APRA to find out a bit more. Okay, so there's um, three different streams, or we'll refer to them as stream A, B, and C for nurses uh, to come and work in Australia. As I mentioned before, there's registered nurses or midwives um, who have a qualification that is equivalent to the Australian standard of education. Um, and they are recognised by uh, the registration or licensing body for registration enrolment in the country where that qualification was awarded. And the qualification is of a comparable standards and, and has quality assurance and accreditation um, in line with Australian qualifications. Um, this is mostly developed countries. There are some developing countries uh, that may qualify, but most will not. Um, so when we're saying we will not, this brings me on to uh, what I'll talk about next, which is stream B, 
but just to finish off here, Stream A candidates um, must complete uh, their registration and assessment, followed by an orientation part one, which is an online learning course and introduces them to the Australian healthcare system and context. Now, so moving on to Stream B, uh, and that would be um, something that is recognised in the country of award and has comparable standards, but not comparatively quite as high as what at the same level that Australia would require for its education requirements for nurses and midwives. Stream B candidates must also complete their registration assessment, um, followed by part one, and they'll also need to provide a portfolio of qualification and documents, um, followed by an outcomes-based assessment, which is uh, both an, an exam and um, a clinical examination as well. Now we're moving on to the last stream for nurses and midwives, which is stream C. Um, so these qualifications, you may have done nursing qualifications in another country, but they don't meet the other um, standards um, in the other two um, streams that I described. Um, and so you would need to come to Australia and complete a bridging course to upgrade your qualifications in line with Australian standards. Um, these bridging courses usually run for a period of three months. Um, so most people would come in on a business visitor visa um, in order to complete those requirements. Something that's important for me to mention about all of these different types of um, uh, medical practitioner type roles uh, and the nurses and midwives, um, if you are from a, if you are from a country, it, it's irrelevant necessarily what the qualification is that you completed. You are likely to need to have uh, an English test unless you come from an exempt passport country, such as the US, Canada, UK, Ireland, New Zealand. Um, your your scores for IELTS will need to sit at at around a seven or above, um, and the reason is because you're dealing with people's lives. So if there's any kind of miscommunication or misunderstanding of instructions or delivering of instructions, people's lives can be in danger. So um, the English standards are extremely high in these professions as well. So something else to be aware of uh, in terms of the visa requirements as well as your registration requirements. Okay, I've talked a little bit about the registration and uh, skills assessment processes for uh, some of this, uh, the medical uh, professional type roles. There are, of course, many more roles. So you'll you'll need to be uh, to dig in and do your research to find out what those registration requirements are going to be uh, for you and your specific occupation, depending on your uh, where you did your qualifications. Next, I'd like to talk about the other types of, I guess, complementary or support roles. I talked a bit before about disability and age care support, uh, also personal assistance come into that category. Uh, so most of them would require a certificate three or four. Uh, many people will do the full diploma to show competency um, to come and work in those roles. They also enjoy the fastest visa processing. But again, as I'm explaining to you all of the registrations and skills assessments, English tests, um, they all need to be done before you lodge the visa application. They're, they're part of the application. You can't sort of lodge an application and then do them later. You actually need to have them done first. 
Um, so I'll give the example of an aged care or disability support worker. Um, they have a skills assessment which is done uh, commonly with VET Assess. Uh, there are also some other registered training organisations who have the authority to assess skills. That means that they need to assess, first of all, that you have the English language competency, but also that you have completed qualifications that are in line with the Australian standard to work in these particular occupations. So similarly to the other professions that I have mentioned, it, if you have done qualifications that are not in Australia, um, it will be dependent on whether or not they align with the Australian uh, standards, so the Australian Quality Framework standards. Uh, if you have completed them here, obviously that makes it a lot more straightforward but you are still going to need to have a skills assessment and make sure that you've had, um, you have a valid English language test that meets the um, required level of the particular occupation that you're going into. So a bit of research um, to get all of that underway. But as I said, the good news is, um, and with that, once you have all of your paperwork and registrations ready, you are able to lodge an application and they are treated with priority, so the highest priority. And if you want to find out a bit more, um, you can duck back to episode four um, where I explain more about the prioritisation of our visa processes in Australia. Now, what everyone wants to know, what are the different visa pathways? So I've given you a bit of a mishmash of um, different types of healthcare, medical type practitioner, roles and some of the high level requirements. Um, now I will talk about the different types of visa options. So most commonly we would see, for example, people with who are medical doctors, um, that they would need to have some further training before they're going to be eligible for the pathway of permanent residency. So a lot of them, if they would get a role, would come in and work on the subclass 482, um, which is the temporary skilled shortage visa and that's granted usually for about a four-year period and that is the period of time that you have so that you can move off limited registration. Um, so you'll need to have done all of the relevant exams and had the relevant supervision and be assessed that you've now met the uh, requirements for a full registration and then you can apply for permanent residency. This is specific to doctors. Um, one other little tip that I would like to include there uh, for visas for for doctors that's not commonly known. Um, so if you come in on a sponsored visa, uh, you have an employer that has sponsored you. They have, um, uh, they have to become approved by the Department of Home Affairs to be a sponsor. Um, they then need to go through a nomination process, uh, which means advertising the role to prove that there aren't other Australians holding the skills. Um, and then if they're nominated, then you can put in a visa application. Um, so it's kind of got three steps to that particular process. Um, so all of the skills and registrations and exams that I've talked about still apply for you, uh, apply to you as the visa applicant. The sponsor has different responsibilities, uh, and that includes they are responsible for paying their sponsorship application and their nomination. Um, they then also have to pay what's called a SAF levy, which is a Skilling Australian Fund levy, because um, you know, there's Australians who don't have the skills and you're, you're being brought in to do that. So that's one of the commitments that the government has. Um, the legal responsibility for the 
uh, professional fees and visa application, other costs, um, is your responsibility, not the responsibility of the employer. Um, some employees, you may be able to negotiate that they will meet those costs, um, but it's not the legal requirements of those particular visas. One final further hot tip that I would like to give for medical practitioners uh, is the age exemption. So for most skilled visas in Australia, you have to be under the age of 45. And for medical practitioners, there is an exemption. To see whether or not your specific occupation meets that exemption, I would strongly say that you need to get professional advice and assistance to understand that you need to see an immigration lawyer or migration agent to make sure you don't make mistakes with your visa application. So anyway, back to the hot tip that I was going to, um, that I was alluding to. Uh, so for the subclass 482 visa, you've got a company or um, say a hospital or some kind of health facility that has sponsored you to come and work. Um, some people may find that there is another place that they would like to move to uh, when they work. If you are sponsored, there is actually a condition, though, uh, that the sponsorship is for a specific organisation, which means you need to, uh, that other organisation would then need to become an approved sponsor and you'd need to um, get it cleared by the department that your visa uh, is now the responsibility, the sponsorship responsibility sit with someone else. Um, so for some, that can be a bit restrictive and they might be tied to an employer um, for a period of time. Uh, interestingly, though, um, if you are, say, a medical doctor or a nurse, you fall under um, a different grouping, of what's called it's scientific, they are actually allowed to move. So both employers and visa holders are not aware of that. But always seek professional advice before you just make a move like that. This is where I'll give an absolute strong plug to um, my, my industry and professional, you need to see an immigration lawyer or registered migration agent who's qualified in Australia and seek advice before you move if you come in on a sponsored visa um, because there could be uh, huge implications um, for your visa no longer being valid and you know kind of ruining your immigration pathway. So don't just make a move based on anything that I've said here. This is general guidance for you to go and do research, but it's not advice for you. Just wanted to make you aware, though. Um, it's not all industries. You'd need to, you know, for example, if you're a support worker and so on, that's not the situation. Um, this is specific to um, certain healthcare professionals. So again, you'll need to have advice to properly understand that. There's others I've heard of, people such as uh, speech pathologists or, or dietitians applying for something like that they are not eligible for that exemption. So they were not able to just move. Um, so you really do need professional advice before you go and make such a, a drastic decision or move to make sure that you're making the right one um, and not uh, you know, putting any kind of issues into your immigration pathway in Australia. Okay, so that's the subclass uh, 482 to make you broadly aware of that. Um, if you're coming to work in a regional area in Australia, um, then the subclass 494 uh, may be a, a, another option, and that's a, up to a five-year uh, visa. And if you do come in on that particular visa, the great thing is that after only three years, you can independently apply 
for permanent residency under what is called the subclass 191 visa. That only was introduced in November last year, but um, a, a good one to know about. Um, so we've talked about some of those processes of registration and recognition, and a lot of people then like to um, put in an expression of interest for a state or territory nomination or potentially uh, a skilled independent nomination by the federal government through the Department of Home Affairs. Um, first things first, though, you need to have met all of the skills assessment requirements and registration and any licensing requirements that you need for your profession um, before you can actually uh, put in the expression of interest for the state or territory nomination program. You need to also be aware with that program um, what if you have the requisite number of points. So at a baseline, it's at a minimum of 65 points. And the points are made up of things like the, the skill and profession that you have um, and the skills assessment and whether or not you have a, um, a partner or you're married and they have skills and they've had a skill assessment as well. That can increase your points. Um, you may have additional language skills. Uh, and then some people might do a, a community language certificate to sort of say, I've got a secondary language, which can give you uh, additional points as well. Um, you will, of course, need to meet the required uh, English level of your particular occupation. Um, and then when that expression of interest goes in, you need to know that your occupation, uh, that particular state or territory, is looking to nominate that profession. Uh, and then if you receive uh, a, a nomination, you're not guaranteed a visa, you then need to do the visa application process uh, after being invited. Uh, but that said, there's uh, visas of subclass 491, which is five years. Again, after three years, you can apply for that permanent residency subclass 191 visa, which I referred to that you can also do on the subclass 494. Um, or you may be invited for the subclass 190, which a lot of people like because it's straight to permanent residency. Um, again, you would need to be aware of whether or not your occupation is on the list for um, invitations to be nominated by the state or territory. Um, and then the next uh, skilled independent pathway that I wanted to talk about was the Department of Home Affairs, the subclass uh, 189 skilled independent visa. It has the same requirements that I had mentioned around the state and territory, a minimum of 65 points, but there are more limited occupations um, that the Department of Home Affairs will provide invitations for visas. All of those professions, as you can see, there is a multitude of opportunities to come and migrate to Australia and work in the healthcare sector. Um, for some of you, you might be saying, but I haven't actually completed this, this training or, or done the studies that are required yet. So you may wish to come to Australia and study as an international student. Um, for that, you would need a subclass 500 visa. Um, I'm able to give you some more tips on that. I would recommend that you jump onto our website. That's Solvi Migration, S-O-L-V-I migration.com.au. And we have a free checklist that you are able to download to get some more tips on how to come to Australia uh, and study as an international student. If you have finished or you're about to finish studies as an international student in Australia, 
and you now need to get the work experience post-qualification. I would then say that you would go, most people will go on to a subclass 485 graduate visa. That visa is uh, valid usually for about two years and allows you further time to work for an employer, any, any employer, but I would say, you know, stick to your occupation and industry to build the correct experience. And then you will have uh, both the qualification and experience to go through the process of getting your registration and skills assessment, um, and then be on your pathway to permanent residency in Australia. There are, of course, as I've mentioned in other episodes, uh, for some of these occupations, I think particularly if you look at some of the support roles, um, you can look to a labour agreement, such as the Designated Area Migration Agreements, otherwise known as the DAMA. Um, they're in different regional parts of Australia generally. Um, there are a couple of states uh, that the whole entire state is what's called the DAMA region. Others uh, it can be specific to a council. Um, so that's a, a certain area within a state. Uh, and those particular agreements uh, might have some more concessions around uh, lower English language requirements. Um, they may also have a slightly higher age threshold. Um, so for people who are working in support roles, um, that's another thing that you might be able to look into. As always, me and my team are happy to provide advice. And um, as a special thank you for listening in to all of this juicy information about coming and migrating to Australia to work in the healthcare sector, um, we would love to give a bit more of assistance uh, to plan your migration pathway for coming to Australia with an initial consultation and giving you a $50 discount off that first consultation. And all you need to do is pop onto our website, that's www.solvimigration.com.au and click on book a consultation. And there is an area where you can enter a redeem code. And in that redeem code, you enter 50OFF, that's 50 off, to receive $50 off your paid consultation. Paid consultation is an amazing thing. You've heard about how complicated it can be planning your migration pathway. It's only 30 minutes of your time, but what you will do is provide all of the information about your immigration goals, what your skills and qualifications are, and the team will be able to give you a comprehensive assessment, meet with you, discuss what those options look like, and then give you back in written form, you'll have written advice as to what the pathway is for your specific case and what to do, as well as some quotes for if you want more professional assistance in order to get your registrations through, get your skills assessment through, and to get that visa application with the best chance of success. Today, we provided you with some great information on opportunities to migrate to Australia and work in the healthcare sector. And I gave an overview of the Australian healthcare sector the types of occupations that there are available to migrate under. Then we talked a bit about the different types of skills assessment requirements, the registrations and so on. And then of course the visa options to work in the healthcare sector in Australia. Thank you so much everyone for joining me and I look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Please do drop in the comments if there's any specific things that you would like to hear about in future episodes. 
and we'll cover it off for you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Making Australian Migration Easy with me, your host, Rhea Favole. If you're ready to get started on your pathway to Australia, you can book a consultation on our website, solvimigration.com.au. That's solvimigration.com.au. If you've enjoyed the show and have learned a thing or two, please share, rate and review our podcast. Your feedback means the world to us as we try and let more people know the best way to study and work in Australia in a way that sets them up for long-term success. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you later.